Hello, it's Thursday 23rd of June. I'm Hannah Pearson. On today's show, Gary Bauman and I will be discussing the outlook for tourism in Bali with our special guests, Melina Caruso and Simona Kimenti of the Bali Hotels Association. So let's get started. This is the Southeast Asia Travel Show. Hello, wherever you are in the world, and thanks for listening in. So today we're jetting off to Bali to check on its tourism progress. After a slow start, the Ministry of Tourism and Creative Economy is targeting 1.5 million international arrivals in 2022, and domestic arrivals are also coming in big numbers. So to dive deeper into Bali's tourism outlook, we're delighted to welcome back Simona Kimenti, who is General Manager of the Pavilions Bali and the Marketing and Media Relations Director for Bali Hotels Association, and Melina Caruso, who is a Technology and Marketing Consultant for the Bali Hotels Association. Melina and Simona were last on the show in mid-October 2021, all that long time ago. Uh, A great deal has happened since then. So Melina and Simona, welcome back to the show. How are you both doing and how's beautiful Bali today? Thank you very much, Gary. We're doing well. Bali is beautiful, sun is shining, and the island is quite busy with tourists again. Thanks for having us, Gary. Yeah, the, it's uh, having been away for a little while. Um, it's really good to see the place um, busy and people in hotels. That's great to hear. That's certainly very different from from the discussion we had back in October. So, you know, so much has happened. You said that Bali is starting to to, to get a little bit more buoyant and a bit more vibrant again. When did that visitor recovery start and, and what sort of progress has been made? I mean, we started quite slowly towards the end of March uh, with the first international arrivals. And then, as you mentioned earlier, as restrictions were lifted, things have picked up momentum quite uh, quite quickly. And I would say now it's been uh, close to two months that we are seeing increased arrival, obviously in line also with the number of countries that are now eligible for the visa on arrival scheme and the fact that it's a lot simpler than it used to be to travel to Bali. Absolutely. So you said now another a greater number of, of tourists qualify for this visa on arrival. Where are your tourists coming from at the moment and which are the key markets that you're seeing? You know, is that different to before? Pre- it's pretty much the same with the, the biggest uh Omission is obviously the Chinese are missing from from the groups. But um, up until the end of April, um, we were seeing that the top 10 country arrivals were Australia with 16,407, United Kingdom 6,000, Singapore 5,000, the US 5,000, Germany 5,000, France uh, 5,000. Uh, Netherlands 3,500, India 3,200, Malaysia 1,900 and Russia 1,900. So, yeah, some of those countries were there uh, before the pandemic. And as I mentioned, there are, there are some missing, like China. You both mentioned uh, a couple of minutes ago there that the restrictions were lifted and it's much easier to travel into Bali now. But what do tourists have to do? I mean, is it a mask mandate in place? You know, what social distancing rules? You know, what are the things that tourists coming into uh, Bali have to take notice of? Well, I'll start with the arrivals and then uh, the arrival into the airport and I'll hand over to Simona for, you know, what they're telling their guests when they check in. The biggest thing is that you still uh, need to be vaccinated. Um, and that's about it, and have a valid passport and a ticket out. 
that's about the biggest things that they're asking for at the moment on arrival. Some of the Southeast Asian countries have free visa on arrival facility, and then you've got other countries, um, some 72 countries that um, have a paid visa on arrival, so they need to go through that process. But actually everything else is pretty much lifted. I well, Look, we could touch on those that are not vaccinated and the reasons they're not vaccinated, and there are obviously uh, rules and regulations that apply to them, but I think they are in, in the small numbers. Yeah, it's surprisingly easy to get into Bali, probably a lot easier than, than some travelers expect at the moment. Um, so what we are experiencing uh, from the operator, from the hotel operator side, is actually there is no particular delays at the airport uh, and the flow is uh, just as it used to be. So there are no particular uh, checks that are holding travelers up. Once they are here in Bali, we still have a mask mandate in place in Indonesia for all indoor areas. However, fairly recently, it has been lifted for outdoor areas, um, save for the very crowded places. So that gives a certain freedom as well to enjoy the beaches and the nature without masks. So you mentioned just then that you know, tourists might be a bit surprised about how easy it is to get into Bali. Um, have there been initiatives by the private sector, by the public sector to make overseas visitors aware of that? Or is that something that, that you think still needs a bit of work on? From a Bali Hotel Association perspective, um, we have welcome back to Bali still. Um, and we still have some, you know, uh, good numbers of visitors uh, from the 7th to the 13th of June, we had 22,000 people visiting the site. The information is kept up to date, but I think it's it's the effect of getting the message through to say the retail agent in a country or, or the message the OTA is putting out there or the airlines um, making sure that all their stations have the right information. So, Social media has its positive points, but it also has its negative in that um, sometimes people have put posts up and then they don't update them. So that's what's still being shared around. Uh, you know, travellers want to be spoon fed a little bit. So um, they just take what they, the first thing they see and that's what they go with instead of actually going to the, you know, the a true source of information. Most of the hotels, I think, um, especially our members, do a really good job of communicating to the people that are booking um, a stay with them on actually what the regulations are and directing them to welcome back to Bali as, a, as an information source. And also I think a lot of people, because travel was so complicated for two years, so a lot of travellers are still a little bit scared and reluctant. Many have not been travelling internationally for a long time. So there is a certain amount of like, let's say, just uh, they're just skeptical about can things really go back to being that simple? Yes, they can, right? And things have moved very quickly. So we've done really huge steps uh, between end of March and end of June. Uh, the landscape of traveling to Bali and Indonesia has really uh, eased up dramatically. Our number one page that's visited on Welcome Back to Bali is the visa entry requirements, um, as well as what do I need to do to enter? 
Two points I wanted to pick up with you both there. You both mentioned that you know this is early days, that the recovery is, is only sort of a couple of months old. Um, you also mentioned there that in terms of the visitor markets, they're mostly the same as pre-pandemic, except the obvious ex- exception is China. So where are people staying? Are they staying in the same areas of Bali as before? Are you noticing that some hotel areas are, are busier than others? I think it's pr- um, pretty much same as before. You know, the, the key areas um, that people know, they enjoyed it last time, they want to go back, they're, they're perhaps this this first trip after the pandemic they're not really that adventurous so they want to go back to what feels uh, familiar to them so what we're seeing from our members is that yeah they're, they're experiencing some good occupancy in, in in the key areas yeah I think overall there's a lot of pent-up demand right there are people who have put off a trip for one or two years there are delayed honeymoons delayed celebrations family trips um, so obviously people are uh, waiting to travel or anxiously waiting to travel. And yes, the key destinations in south of Bali are still on the top five, I would say, most popular list. Um, but slowly, obviously, travel is starting also to spread across the more, let's say, the far end corners of the Indonesian archipelago as well. That's interesting to hear. And so have you seen any kind of new or emerging trends for hotel stays or services that are being offered to these tourists? Not at this point. As I mentioned, I think some of the travellers that are, you know, coming back want familiarity. Um, and I think, Simona, you mentioned your experience a little bit of a difference in the in the length of stay. Um, your your property is a little bit smaller than, say, you know, a hotel with more, you know, 200 plus rooms. Yeah, I think that, that generally that there isn't anything that's that's emerging at this point. Yeah, well, certainly there is. I mean, every hotel, there is a lot of attention obviously being put on health and safety. But I would say from a traveler's point of view, most of them are expecting this. But at the same time, they don't want it to be a predominant factor. You want it to be discreet and in the background. You don't want to be constantly reminded. I mean, we lived for two years. We've lived, obviously, in constant fear and and, uh, according to cleaning standards. So it has to be discreet. It has to be in the background. It doesn't have to interfere with their holidays. Uh, I would say the wishes are still the same. Exploring Bali, obviously, nature, culture, seeing the different sites. So it's not too different than it used to be before. And and what people really are longing for very much is a, is a healthy dose of normality, I think. Absolutely. Um, so let's talk about hotel pricing and occupancy rates, because obviously during COVID, they've taken a massive hit. Um, you know, occupancy rates, obviously, and, and hotel pricing as well, as you know, international hotels are, are trying to attract the domestic market. Um, how are those holding up? Are we seeing improvements in those? Most definitely, yes. I mean, every all our members definitely are still, um, we're still in what we would call a recovery period, so they're still very interesting and, and very competitive rates and offers out there. So this is a great time to come and explore Bali without any doubt. Um, but uh, occupancy is definitely picking up. The domestic market is still playing a key role. So that is probably one of the very positive takeaways from the pandemic, uh, that Bali has been put a bit uh, back on the domestic map. Uh, But obviously with more international travelers coming, we're seeing occupancy numbers picking up and then uh, generally rates will obviously follow suit. 
we need to keep in mind too that um, we have the G20 this year in Bali and there've been a lot of um, pre, you know, major G20 meeting meetings going on. So, you know, the hotels are busy with that and they all have dynamic pricing in, in, in place. Um, so it really depends on, you know, whether a hotel is part of the G20 or not, whether a hotel has, you know, uh, is fully open. Um, a lot of the hotels don't have the full room inventory back on sale too because of staffing and, and, and operational cost issues. So slowly, slowly, I would say every hotel is bringing back their inventories yeah. and their services. This is just, again, a matter of as there is, um, as there is demand, obviously, then supply uh, follows accordingly. But at this stage, I would say travelers can enjoy all the facilities that they come to love, both within the hotels as also outside. Attractions are open, um, businesses, shops, uh, market stalls, all of that is sort of up and running again. So if you take a walk right now for one of the popular areas in Bali, you won't notice too much difference to pre-pandemic. You mentioned that operational costs are, are increasing. We're entering a new world. This is, this is a worldwide issue of, of manpower and, and human resources um, and in different employment trends as well. How are some of your hotels recovering from, from the human resource shortages? Well, it was interesting because today we had our job, um, Bali Hotels Association's first uh, job fair. And um, we had over, I think, 400 participants arriving to, you know, job seekers with about 40 odd hotels um, there to, you know, recruiting uh, or taking, you know, down names of people looking for work in the hope that, um, you know, they'll be able to get back to them. So I think that the, the we did lose um, some people definitely, um, whether they've gone overseas or whether they're, you know, um, it suited them to go into their own business and they're enjoying that 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 freedom that comes with that. So I think it's still um, a little bit difficult to get good people because we did lose a lot of people, a lot of good people. And of course, now that numbers are picking up again, we're also, we, we need to basically bring back the teams to their full operational capability. So there is definitely a, a need for new talent as well. And it's also a good opportunity for uh, all the young job seekers that are out there that are coming now out of university um, and where there's also been a bit of a standstill for the last few years to find and to start new careers in hospitality because like Melina mentioned just like in every other country also in, in Bali and in Indonesia um, there has been a lot of people who have looked for alternate employment who have gone into their own employment. And was there any certain areas that are lacking more within hotels than others in, in terms of manpower shortages? Is it, you know, housekeeping or front front office staff or, you know, is there a particular area or is it just all areas are, are finding it difficult to find the right people? I think it's pretty much across all departments, but obviously where it's more work intensive and where there are higher numbers. So that applies to obviously housekeeping and food and beverage production and service this is generally where um, you will see the, the biggest need for uh, additional talent uh, in terms of numbers. But then there's also key roles that uh, need to be replaced, whether they would be in guest service or whether they would also be in the back of house roles, right? 
as consumer choices change and there are different uh, options of where to stay in some countries, particularly for domestic tourism, in recent months, we've seen, you know, homestays and glamping have become very, very popular and quite beneficial for cost conscious travelers. You know, are these exerting pressure on, on hotel rates? And is, is, is that something that's actually happening in Bali? I think the competition from alternative accommodation sources was always there right before as well. And I don't think it has majorly changed during these last uh, two years of pandemic hiatus. So there are obviously a lot of different lodging options in Bali, uh, and those are still available. But but it goes without saying that different customers are looking for different things. And just like as there is a very widespread options of star rated accommodation options, the same also applies, obviously, to homestays, glamping or, or villa stays as such. Um, so there, there's always a very wide panorama to choose from for a traveler. But what I think a lot of travelers are looking for is for the kind of reassurance on health and safety and on protocols being followed that obviously comes with staying with star rated hotels as opposed to a private accommodation. I think very the travelers that are uh, you know pri- uh, price sensitive or want or more adventurous and wanting to try the glamping, but there are products out there for for them. Um, but those type of travellers um, seem to be um, not so concerned, perhaps, with the health and safety protocols, but they're in the mi- minority. Got it. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. Like you said, different different consumers looking for different things. So not necessarily so much pressure necessarily than on, on hotels in Bali. So you were talking earlier about how all hotels weren't really operating, well, many hotels weren't operating at kind of full capacity. Just in general, are most hotels on the island now open? Um, from uh, We can only talk about the BHA member hotels, but yes, uh, most. I think out of all our membership, there may only be three or four that are not, um, that will be opening mid-July. Yeah, so the vast majority, we can say probably yeah. around 90% or so are open and operating and again some of them may adjust their operating capacity due to the number of visitors but yeah there are certainly over the last month already the majority are opening nearly at full capacity again in terms of facilities available Uh, so there may still be some restrictions to maybe not every restaurant being open or some operating hours not being uh, yet back at full, but otherwise tourists can enjoy all the facilities just as they used to before. So let's, let's talk a little bit about the, the domestic market. We've, we've talked about inbound markets and, and the ones that are holding up quite well in this recovery era. What about the domestic market? What's the outlook for that for the rest of the year? I think it's looking pretty healthy. Um, again, you know, there's, there's less um, restrictions, you know, uh, f- for the domestic travellers too. So um, they're, they're coming uh, to Bali on a mo- lot more regular basis. Um, there's also the G20 uh, that's bringing in a lot of the domestic business too. They have to come for meetings as well. Yeah, domestic seems to be going uh, strong again. And of course, there are specific holiday periods that are particularly popular. Uh, but in general, I think the, the fact of being able to travel mainly within Indonesia during the past two years has definitely kind of reignited a bit also a love for Bali. And um, and now that it's easier and more accessible and with plenty full of choices, the domestic market is definitely taking advantage of that as well. 
So you touched on it a couple of times that G20 is going to be held in Bali uh, later in the year. What kind of benefits do you see that bringing to tourism? Is that going to benefit everybody? Is it just going to benefit certain uh, parts of the island? Um, How do you see that playing out? I think in terms of destination marketing, it's going to put us on the, you know, certainly put us in the spotlight. Um, There's the G20. There's also a a local Bali girl being um, representing us at Miss Indonesia as well. So on the world stage this year, Bali is certainly highlighted. I think the benefits are across the board in the the whole community. I, I, I don't see it just being focused, say, on hotels in Nusa Dua or or something like that I think it, it is right across right across the island the benefits yeah and it's a bit of a ripple wave because while the main event is scheduled for November there is obviously a lot of uh, meetings and preparations leading up uh, there's also a lot of investment being made in infrastructure which is obviously beneficial for the island on a whole um, and there are obviously numbers expected that will benefit different areas. There will also be spotlight on specific projects, eco projects related on Bali. So that will also be putting an interesting uh, spin on what is highlighted. Yeah, just following that up, you, you mentioned earlier that some hotels um, are, are registered as, as G, G20 conference hotels. What, what does that impact them in terms of people booking those hotels? You know, what are the periods where people won't be able to travel to those particular hotels? mid-November the specific dates I think it's a bit early exactly to determine how many days because a lot of the delegations are still uh, planning their trip schedules and obviously uh, not everybody will attend all the events along the line but definitely um, it will see November being very busy which is traditionally a little bit of a quieter month yeah there's a business and economic forum as well at the same time, uh, where there's a num- there are a number of uh, high-profile business uh, magnates joining as well. So there will definitely be also that commercial focus uh, on top, obviously, of the, um, of the political um, get-together. I think we have uh, Bill Gates, Elon Musk, uh, Sir Richard Branson. I said, you know, they're three really big names out there. Yeah, I mean, for sure, that, that's going to put Bali on the map. I think you're right. Um, so I wanted to circle back. We were, we were talking about manpower a little bit earlier, um, but to look at it from a, a technology point of view. And there's a lot of talk in the media that this lack of manpower is going to force hotels to implement automation and digital solutions. But, you know, chain hotels worldwide have been stepping up automated services for some time. So do you see these two as actually two separate issues, you know, hotel resourcing and digitization? I think so. Um, I think that, you know, uh, Bali has always, or Indonesia has always said, you know, if a human can do the work, then they should be doing the work. And I also think that the traveller is coming, it's not a city, you know, it's not a city destination. So you haven't got someone who's, you know, limited in time and wants to, you know, to pick up their key, go to their room, work, you know, go back out again and um, not see anyone. I I think that people are coming here because they know the Balinese hospitality, they want the interaction. So there are some things that they've, you know, when you talk about automation, it could be streamlining, check-ins. Um, we're in hospitality, you know, so that people still want that human factor. 
Yeah, like Melina says, it's a it's a people's business, and, and people love Balinese hospitality, right? It's it's genuine from the heart. It's that special smile. It's that um, very loving uh, touch, and technology cannot substitute it. So, from a resort service point of view, I would say technology is there to facilitate the service to ensure that the actual team has more time to spend with the guests and less time spent on on taking care of jobs that can be uh, automated but it will not be a replacement for the actual face-to-face -face interaction um, and as much as obviously there's been a lot of talking in hospitality in general about um, contactless services and check-ins what we are seeing by experience is that a lot of travelers actually crave that human element um, that direct recommendation, the interaction, and the exchange that you also have uh, when you are traveling and you're meeting new people. So you can't really take that away, right? That cannot be substituted by, by technology. I think it offers a level of comfort to the traveler as well. That, that you know, and not everybody traveling is comfortable with the technology as well that's out there so they they may struggle i mean if you're under you know the age of maybe 45 you might be okay but anyone over 45 may actually you know um struggle with some of the the technology available i as i mentioned i was away in europe and and i'm in the it business i just wanted a hotel where someone was going to check me in tell me everything I needed to know about the new city that I was visiting um, and uh, be there available if I had questions. Um, even breakfast for me was strange, you know, to get up and get my own coffee and there was no one clearing, um, you know, or, or servicing my table. Um, and I wanted that. That's what I wanted and I didn't get that at the hotel I was staying at. Yeah, I experienced the same when I was in Europe a month or so ago. I wanted to ask you a bit about the challenges ahead for the second half of the year. We have discussed that, you know, this is the early stages of recovery and there will be some bumps along the way. I was reading this week that Indonesia's tourism and creative industry minister was talking about flight frequencies and the price of flights. Uh, he sees that as one of the issues that, that could uh, impact the recovery for the second half of the year. W would you agree with that? Are there other challenges that, that you're looking at? Yeah, I think very much so. So flights are obviously, I mean, it's, it's half the equation, right? So hotels are half the equation. The other is how you get to destination. At the moment, we are approximately somewhere around 50% of our flight capacity if we compare it to pre-pandemic. Um, so obviously, further increasing the the amount of airlift will have a very positive impact on the numbers uh, because with less flights, it also means that the prices are higher and that obviously increasing than the overall um, expenses for the trip. Um, I think that's something that will come slowly as airlines obviously adjust also their capacities to uh, travelers. It will take a little bit of time, um, but certainly now with for us moving into what is traditionally our high season, um, that is slowly gaining momentum. Other than that, I think the main challenge is obviously um, not taking any steps back anymore at this stage, but hoping that the pandemic conditions slowly transit into endemic um, and that we're able to maintain um, the current uh, 
freedom of travel, let's say, and then of course further grow the list of countries that will be eligible for visa on arrival. There is still plenty of space there, I think, for improvement. And how about your outlook for the next 12 to 18 months? You know, are we are we going to see a, a full recovery? Are we going to see a partial recovery? What what What's in your crystal ball? I think that this next half of the year is a little bit tricky for Bali because we have the G20 and we have a couple of other big events. So once that's out the way, perhaps the recovery is more, you know, 2024, 2023, the full recovery, do you do you think? I think, yes, it will take some time, right? As much as we would like just to snip our fingers and, and go back to exactly the way things were, it takes time to go back to the full uh, to the full capacity of a destination. There's also also some changes, of course, in terms of sustainability and travel that have been made, which are positive for the destination. So I feel I think it will take us through 2023 to start to see uh, the numbers going back to pre-pandemic levels. Hopefully, Bali is going to have a great kickstart, I think, with the G20 and all the other events this year. And then the trick is going to be to try and sustain that recovery into into next year. And, and how can that continue? So thank you so much um, both for coming on. It's been really interesting to hear uh, what is going on in Bali. And that brings us to the end of our special Bali edition. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. And don't forget to send us your thoughts and comments on anything we discussed with Melina and Simona or anything we might have missed out. You can drop us a message on our LinkedIn page at the Southeast Asia Travel Show. Meanwhile, you can catch up with the Southeast Asia Travel Show's full back catalogue on our website, the seasiatravelshow.com. And of course, you can listen to every episode, including this one, on all the various international podcast platforms. Again, just search for the Southeast Asia Travel Show on each app. And if you do tune in via Spotify or Apple Podcasts, please remember to give us a quick rating and a review, as that helps other people to find the show. So that's a wrap for today. And we'll both return next week when we'll be talking tourism in Thailand, one year after the Phuket Sandbox commenced. We look forward to talking to you then.